Good evening. It's good to see each one of you back for our Wednesday night service. Would you stand with me, please? Let's turn to page 321. Be our first song together tonight. Page 321. We'll sing all verses. My sins are gone. Sing it out on that first verse. You ask me why I'm happy, so I'll just tell you why. Because my sins are gone. And when I meet the scoffers who ask me where they are, I say, my sins are gone. They're underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Twas at the old time altar where God came in my heart, and now my sins are gone. The Lord took full possession, the devil did depart. I'm glad my sins are gone. There underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. When Satan comes to tempt me and tries to make me doubt, I say, my sins are gone. You got me into trouble, but Jesus got me out. I'm glad my sins are gone. There underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. I'm living now for Jesus. I'm happy night and day because my sins are gone. My soul is filled with music. With all my heart I say, I know my sins are gone. There underneath the blood on the cross of Calvary, as far removed as darkness is from dawn. In the sea of God's forgetfulness, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. Amen. Aren't you glad tonight if you're saved, your sins are gone. Amen. And it uh, doesn't mean we don't have the daily spiritual battles and things. And, and if you don't think that, you might better read First John chapter 1. Amen. Uh, but at the same time, it's good to know I'm a child of the King. Amen. And re- real blessing there. Sure thankful you're here uh, tonight. This is our what we would call the oasis in the desert. Amen. And a uh, good time to come in and get a cool drink of water from the Word of God tonight. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Sure, thankful our buses were able to run tonight. We have our teen class as well as our kids' classes uh, downstairs, and you get big church tonight, amen. So let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, tonight. Brother Gary Waters, would you open us in prayer?
And why don't you be seated uh, tonight? Do just have just a few uh, announcements I wanted to mention. Of course, uh, this uh, starts uh, the month of November, and so we'll have our bulletins and things coming out uh, this coming uh, Sunday for the different things that are going on. Of course, if you do have uh, young people, if you do have teenagers uh, in the uh, youth department, there is a uh, teen activity this coming Friday. Uh, There's a youth rally there at Heritage Baptist Church over in Lawrence, uh, Kansas, and I believe our young people are headed to that. And then, of course, don't forget about this coming Saturday, uh, be our church-wide outreach, and so that'll be uh, at 1030 in the morning over in the Fellowship Hall. Be going out, doing some door knocking, some canvassing visits and things like that. So if you'd like to participate in that, do want to invite you uh, to that. And then also wanted to mention November the 11th, which is on a Friday, so it'll be a week from this coming Friday, be our church hayride uh, and cookout. Uh, we have that uh, every year over at the uh, Watson's, uh, the Watson Senior uh, place, and uh, so uh, we are going, we, um, we run a bus uh, from the church over to there, and that way it kind of helps with uh, some of the traffic and, and stuff like that. So I uh, just wanted to mention some things tonight. Number one, if you do plan on going to that, we certainly, all ages are more than welcome to come. We want you to come. Uh, there's a sign-up sheet in the outer foyer, and just ask that you'd sign up. That way we know how much to prepare for uh, and things like that. And then there's also some sign-up sheets out there for food and, and drinks and, and stuff like that. Uh, Going to be doing some s'mores and, and stuff like that and uh, just having a good time of fellowship. Uh, but did also want to mention, if you plan on uh, parking here and then taking the bus over uh, to uh, the Watson's house, uh, that the bus will leave at 6.30 p.m. And, of course, we'll start about 7 o'clock over there and have a good time and then uh, end off the fellowship probably about 9 or 10 o'clock uh, that night. But, again, that's Friday, November the 11th. Looking uh, forward uh, to that. It's always a, a blessing. And, man, I love s'mores. I just don't like eating s'mores in public, amen, because they usually go from, you know, all anyways. It's kind of like, you know, chicken wings. You just you, you don't do that in public if you can help it. But sometimes you can't help it, you know what I mean? Uh, anyways, uh, Sunday, November the 13th, is a teen activity. Uh, then November the 18th on a Friday is another uh, youth rally at First Baptist Church in Mission, Kansas. And then also wanted to mention this, uh, Sunday, November the 20th, which is the Sunday uh, before Thanksgiving, is our, our annual Thanksgiving banquet. Going to have Pastor Tim uh, Knutson here with us. He pastors Jerome Bible Baptist Church in Jerome, Idaho. And uh, just a dear friend, him and his family, we got to serve on staff together at Berean Baptist Church in Springfield, uh, Missouri. And so he's going to be here. We're going to have regular uh, morning services, and then we're going to have a lunch uh, over in the E.J. Watson Gymnasium right after the morning services. Uh, the church will provide uh, the turkey and the ham, and so if you would uh, be able to bring maybe a side dish or a dessert or both, uh, and we'll have a great time of fellowship, and then we'll come back over and have an afternoon service, so there'll be no evening service that night uh, Sunday, the November the 20th. And then don't forget about uh, November the 22nd, which is on a Tuesday night, the week of uh, Thanksgiving. That'll be our midweek service. That'll be at 7 o'clock. Uh, we'll have no service that Wednesday night, November the 23rd. But if you do have kids in Faith Baptist School, uh, the kids get out uh, that Wednesday, November the 23rd, uh, at noon for Thanksgiving break. And then they'll start back on Monday 
uh, November the 28th. And so again, I realize this is a lot of information and, and things like that, but we'll have our bulletins out and things like that, uh, and so that way you know uh, what's going on. But sure looking forward to a good time in the Lord, and then the next thing you know, Christmas will be here, amen? And uh, it'll be a real blessing. I'm just glad Halloween's over because I'm ready for Christmas, amen? We already put up our tree. We're ready, son. Bring it home. All right, we did decorate it for fall, but whatever. I could have went with candy canes and candy corn and not candy corn. That's terrible. Anyways, uh, but anyways, looking forward to that. All right, let's go ahead and get our prayer list out uh, tonight. And uh, let's go uh, through this. Uh, sure glad to see Brother Roy McRae here tonight. Had his cataract surgery and uh, Monday, and he said, they said it went well. Amen. So he's still adjusting to that. So continue to pray uh, for uh, that. Of course, continue to pray for Miss Carolyn Moore. She's over at the Good Samaritan uh, nursing home there and uh, with Parkinson's. But also, she's still battling uh, with the pneumonia that she had been in the hospital with, and so pray for her. Also, Miss Doris Clark, if you could pray uh, for her. She's got a host of health issues, and then on top of that, the eyes um, have been, uh, she's been battling with that, and so remember her uh, in prayer. And then it was a real blessing Sunday morning to see Miss Jean Wiseman come forward, amen. And so just pray for her. She's going to, Lord willing, will be able to baptize her this coming Sunday uh, morning. But just pray for her and her health issues as well. I know she would appreciate uh, that. Good to see the Wills family here uh, tonight and uh, made it back. And so Miss Lynn's back there so we can take them off for traveling. Sure thankful they had a safe uh, trip. Uh, does anybody else have a uh, update or a prayer request or anything like that? Yes, sir, Brother Dave. Yes, the kidney transplant. Yes, your coworkers. Praise the Lord, man. That's a blessing. So. That's all right. No worries. I was actually wondering. I know I had a nephew that had that, and I know that it takes a little time for the body to take, and sometimes there's complications and stuff, but sure thankful to hear that. That's a blessing. Good deal. All right. That's four with the kidney uh, transplants on the first column, uh, about two-thirds of the way down. So that's an answer to prayer there, amen. What a blessing. Anybody else tonight? All right, Brother Matt. Yeah, I don't, I'm, I'm yeah, I'm mercy, brother. So, no, I'm good, I'm good, I'm all right. I've, I've, you know this, brother, I do fish guts and deer guts, but I don't do people guts, amen. So, um, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd be a real big fan either if anybody said anything about grinding anything on me, so I'm with you on that one, brother, so... Okay, it's already medieval torture when you go to the dentist, amen, so, all right, so we'll put Brother Matt Whitney back on our uh, prayer list and for some oral surgery coming up, and that's November the 19th, correct? Okay, all right, Miss Sue? Um, okay, on Terry Bernard, yes, ma'am.
Mercy. Okay. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so let's continue to pray for Jerry Bernard and the stomach. Okay. Orhe. Okay. Believe it or not, I know how to spell that. And salvation, you said? Okay. Okay. All right. Absolutely. Put him on there. Okay. Brother Gary? Clark? Yes, sir. Okay. Now, is she locally here? Do you know? Okay. So you said the 29th? Okay, so surgery on the 29th. Okay. All right, we'll make sure to put that on our prayer list. So, Okay, Brother Gary Waters. Good. Praise the Lord. So had the blood disease there. That was your coworker, wasn't it? Okay. Good. Praise the Lord. Sure thing. So is it T E A L? Okay. And uh, and cut two fingers off. I'm gonna have to watch this side over here tonight. So, yeah. Anybody else tonight? Uh, prayer. All right, brother CJ. Yeah. Okay. Praise the Lord. Okay. All right. Okay, brother. All right. Mm. Okay. So that's uh, Chuck uh, Reeves there on the second column, uh, third one from the bottom. That's Brother CJ's dad. Go ahead, brother. Amen. That's a blessing. Amen. That's awesome. That's a blessing. So praise the Lord for that. And so if you, uh, you're looking for anything, ask Miss Marilyn Carr. She obviously has plenty of time on her hand. Amen. Or, or if it's a washer and dryer, pick one out you want and kick it. And then uh, get a discount on it. Amen. Amen. That's a blessing. No, that's a blessing. What a blessing. All right, anybody else tonight? Well, sure thankful for that. God's so very good to us, isn't he? 
Why not have our men uh, come uh, tonight? We're going to take up our, our Wednesday night uh, offering and our tithes and, and missions. And we're sure thankful we've been meeting our goal and and uh, close to or heading towards $140,000 in Faith Promise Missions. Amen. And and just a real blessing uh, there. And so we're going to pray. And then after this, I, I believe, where is uh, Brother Tim? Is he? Okay, so Brother Tim. Okay, so he's out there. So he's going to come and give us our missionary update uh, tonight. Of course, don't forget about on the back of our prayer list, we've got all of our foreign and home missionaries, and so uh, pray uh, for them. Brother Steve Parker, would you pray for us tonight, brother? Amen. Amen. Most recent uh, prayer letter from our missionary, Miss Rebecca Pope, uh, doing uh, medical missions in different countries all around the world. She says, It didn't look like it was going to happen, but by the Lord's divine intervention, our medical team was able to complete a mission to Mongolia. Of course, for those of you, uh, if you're not aware, Mongolia is a very closed country. Uh, first, there was the political saber rattling after the Speaker of the House decided to go to Taiwan. That visit stirred an already murky pot in Asia and sent prices of airline tickets through the roof. Second, when we arrived in country, almost all of our supplies were held by customs. We had a short overnight layover in Ulaanbaatar, the capital city, before boarding for another flight early the next morning. That flight was followed by an almost two-hour drive to our final destination, Katgal. Obviously, if our supplies were not released before leaving the capital, it would be unlikely that they would catch up with us in time to hold the clinic. But just like the king in the account of Esther, on that night, uh, the customs agent could not sleep. All night, the Lord troubled him, or her, that she had withheld good from her people. And at 6 a.m. the following morning, she met us at the ticket counter to release all of our supplies. A shout of hallelujah went out from my lips, that's for sure. The predominant religions of this region of Northeast Asia are shamanism and Buddhism. So Christianity is considered a foreign religion propagated by foreigners. Katgal is a stronghold of darkness, but praise God for the light shining there through Katgal Baptist Church. A faithful missionary couple has served in Mongolia for 20 years, and they have been joined by a national pastor and his wife and a younger missionary couple in this village of about 4,000. 
Several believers from the capital came as interpreters and helpers in the clinic as well. To our knowledge, one woman who came to the clinic for depression made a profession of faith. She has Christian friends who have been witnessing to her for a while, and when she came to the clinic, she said she sensed the peace that was there. She wanted that peace. After our team returned home, the pastor's wife sent me a message saying the attendance the following Sunday was over 60, when they normally run between 30 to 40 adults and children. I don't know all that the Lord did that week, but I think one thing was using many games of carpet ball to cross language barriers so that the local people knew we are much like them. We laughed with them, we prayed with them, we ministered to them, and we shared the God of peace with them. The bus ride from Katgal to the airport was another opportunity for the Lord to answer prayer and deliver us in a most unusual way. That morning, we were hit with snow and ice, and our 50-passenger bus would not get through it. There is nothing but wide open fields along that route, but the Lord sent a ministering spirit in the form of a Toyota Highlander. I don't know where the man came from, but he towed us up the hill we'd been repeatedly sliding down and then went along his way. Our plane was held for us, and we were able to make connections for the flights that followed. My next mission is scheduled for this coming Thursday, November 3rd, that will be tomorrow, uh, to Bolivia. It's not really making the news here in the U.S., but for the last week there have been civil unrest centered in Santa Cruz. And that is the city where we are to serve. Please pray for wisdom as the team leaders decide whether or not to go forward this, with this mission. And if we do, certainly for peace and safety. Thank you so much for your interest and prayerful support. So wonderful update there. Uh, it's, it's awesome to hear stories like that of God working and providing peop, uh, for people on the mission field. Brother Whitney, would you pray for Mrs. Pope and as well as our other missionaries? Would you stand with me, please, once again? Let's turn to page 331. Page 331, He Brought Me Out. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4 together tonight. Page 331. My heart was distressed neath Jehovah's dread frown. Then low in the pit where my sins dragged me down. I cried to the Lord from the deep miry clay Who tenderly brought me out to golden day He brought me out of the miry clay He set my feet on the rock to stay He put a song in my soul today A song of praise, hallelujah He placed me upon the strong rock by his side. My steps were established, and here I'll abide. 
no danger of falling while here I remain but stand by his grace until the crown I gain he brought me out of the miry clay he set my feet on the rock to stay he put a song in my soul today a song of praise hallelujah i'll sing of his wonderful mercy to me i'll praise him till all men his goodness shall see i'll sing of salvation at home and abroad till many shall hear the truth and trust in god he brought me out of the miry clay he set my feet on the rock to stay he put a song in my soul today a song of praise hallelujah amen please remain standing Get your Bibles ready for the message tonight. What a blessing. Well, we're sure thankful tonight. Glad you're here. Ephesians and, and chapter number four tonight. And uh, the book of Ephesians and, and chapter number four. We've just, uh, uh, of course, been studying through uh, the book of Ephesians. And uh, man, I'm telling you, it's, it's a very rich book, isn't it? And uh, what a blessing. It's, I, I like it. It's, it's like uh, the red velvet cheesecake at the Cheesecake Factory. Amen. It's, it'd be rich. Amen. And uh, <clears throat> it's, uh, man, I'm telling you. And uh, it's like drinking fire or water from a fire hose. Amen. So Ephesians and, and chapter number four tonight. And look with me, if you would, at verse number 17. Okay. So this is where we're going to pick up tonight. And I'll explain everything here in just a minute, but verse number 17, okay, so this is a very, or this is a conclusive uh, statement because he says, this I say, uh, therefore, and it's also going to bring us into another subject here. It says, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness, all right, and that's the idea of lustful uh, behavior, uh, almost if we could say it like this, uh, as if you have a license to do whatever you want to do. Uh, so it's lasciviousness. They've given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But now watch, watch this right here in verse number 20. But ye have not so learned Christ. In other words, Jesus Christ in you. Don't, don't forget that the main theme throughout the book of Ephesians is this. In Christ Jesus. All right, if you've been saved, you've been placed in Christ Jesus, all right? So, so this is what the Gentiles do that have not God, but you have not learned, you have not so learned Christ. And look at verse 21, and here's, well, look, watch this. If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. 
So we're going to look at this tonight, but I want to tell you this, we're living in a day where there's a lot of Jesus, but no truth. If I could say it like that, and hopefully you understand uh, what I mean by that, but I'm telling you tonight, there, there's, there is a powerful thought here, but this is what I, I titled the message tonight, and I believe this is the idea of the text, is your walk different? Is your walk different? Is your way of life, the way that you live since you've been saved? Is it different? Because according to this, it should be. It should be. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated uh, tonight. I know some, many have been here for the last uh, several messages and, and, and some ha- have not. But uh, in the previous verses, we, we actually we spent uh, several uh, messages looking at the subject of unity, because that's really that's really what begins uh, the chapter. I want to invite you to back just to, so you and I can see the context of this. Look at verse number three. The Bible says this: endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So you and I tonight, even especially members of Faith Baptist Church, we're to endeavor to keep the uh, spirit of unity and the bond of peace tonight. Amen. And then he goes on down and talks about there's one body and one spirit and one hope and one Lord and one God. So that's the idea of this, that you and I are to be in doctrinal unity as well. But then also notice in verse number 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And so this is talking about the gifts, the, the, the individuals that God has given to his churches to also help with that unity, talking about the pastors and and teachers and and those kind of things. But then look at verse number 13. Uh, These are given to help the church, the body of believers, to notice it says, till we all come in the unity of the faith. And so that's one of the responsibilities of the man of God is to preach the word of God and to encourage God's people to know what they believe and why they believe it, but also to come together in unity. But if you'll notice, there's more to it than that. Because he also says this, he says, till we all come in the unity of the faith, but watch this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, talking about a mature man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so what he's saying here is this, is that not only is the man of God given to help the people of God to be in unity with one another and God, I am also given to help us to grow and mature in our faith. Right? So that, that's what he's talking about there. He's, he's talking about what, what, what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is this, and what I'm trying to point out to you is that when you and I get down to verse number 17 as the subject of, if we could say it like this, as the subject of unity comes to a close, you see that conclusive phrase right there, this I say therefore, all right? And so what he's dealing with, or what he's saying is this, is that the subject of unity, now I'm done dealing with that, and now we're going to move on to this other subject, and, and it particularly has to do with the other responsibility that the man of God has in the sense of, of helping God's people 
to grow in their faith. And so what I'm saying to you is this, is that it changes now from unity to spiritual growth. And really this is going to finish out the rest of the chapter. And dare I say, even the book of Ephesians in its entirety. But here is, here is what I believe that the Apostle Paul is starting with here. All right, if, we're, we are, if we are to spiritually grow as Christians, and, and we are to spiritually grow, okay, if we are to do that, okay, then it starts with an understanding that our walk that we now have, okay, in Christ Jesus, it is to be different than the walk that we had before we were placed in Christ Jesus. Okay, it's to be different. And, and so that's why I titled the message tonight, Is Your, is your Walk uh, Different? In other words, is your life different since you have been saved? Because here's what I want to plead to you tonight. Because if it's not, then my friend, something is wrong. No, no, no and, I don't, and I don't think that I say that without any basis because I think it's barely obvious here that it's meant to be different. Come on, it's meant, listen, I, I'm just telling you, God's given us that abundant life that we are to be walking in. And, and so I'm just saying to you tonight that if there's not that difference, then, then something is wrong. And it's got to be one of two things. Either you've not been truly born again of the Spirit of God, meaning this, you've been truly saved. Or the other thing is this, you're simply not growing as you are supposed to be as a child of God. And that's really what you and I are going to deal with here over the next two or three uh, messages. When all of our kids were, were born, we have, we have four kids. Our, our, our oldest three are, you, you know, we've got two adult kids, one graduating this year. And then we've got Emily, the, the six-year-old, the troublemaker. Come on, that, there's a lot of people working in nursery tonight. You should be saying amen, amen, yes. When all of our kids were born, okay, they, they all started off. With, with, with what, what we would say is milk, you know, we, we did, uh, had to do baby formula. And, and so, you, you know, and, uh, and then after a few months, uh, baby formula wasn't enough. And so you had to start getting those, you know, those Gerber jars of food and, and popping those babies open. I, listen, some of the most nastiest stuff on planet Earth is in one of those jars. I'm just, I'm just telling you right now. Now, I, listen, I've always said this. I'm a big fan of the Hawaiian delight. Amen. That's, you know, you give them one bite, you might take one too. But I'm just telling you, you sweet peas, I'm out. I'm out. Honey, you're going to have to do this. You know, as I'm just like, so now it's like deer guts and fish guts I can handle, but not people guts and Gerber baby food. So I'm just like, oh, you got to do that. But pretty soon, that wasn't enough. You, you know, and, and, and so then, you know, they're, they're eyeing your food on your plate. And so you got to start, you know, mashing that up. And maybe it's, you know, real green beans and you mash those up. Or, man, mashed potatoes, glory, hallelujah. And so, I, Man, I hadn't had a carb in like four days. I'm, I'm, anyways, i got to focus here. But then, listen, but here's the thing. Now they are all full grown. And, and I can tell you this, that my son is six foot three or six foot four and 17 years old. And I'm not sure he ever gets enough of anything. Now, here's what I'm trying to say to you tonight. This, this wasn't a shock to us that they would progress in their, in their food intake. We, we, didn't, 
We didn't, we didn't, we didn't, you know, we didn't get to the formula and, and then, you know, and then about six months into this and they're, they're wanting more and wanting something else. We didn't look at that and go, what's the matter? What, what's going on? No, we knew what was going on. They, we, they wanted to eat more food. They wanted to eat regular uh, food. We didn't, we didn't think it, we don't think it's strange that our adult children like regular food and they drink milk from a glass and not from a bottle. No, be a fact, I think it's strange the other way around. What, what, I'm, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is that we had an expectation of growth and change. Yeah, what, what I'm trying to illustrate to you tonight is really the key thought in this passage, and that is this, is that there is an expectation from God that His children would change, that we would change. Uh, be a fact, you can, you can go back. I mean, even as you and I, you know, the first three chapters really have much to do with our salvation. And you can go back to chapter 2 and, and see that even in the language there, there's an expectation that, that things are different. Look at chapter 2 and, and, and verse number 1. And what a great passage this is. Look at what he says. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Already there, there's a, there's, there's a complete opposite contrast. All right? So you were quickened, that means made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin. Do you notice the difference? Oh, did you notice the past tense? That were dead in... Oh, come on. Look, look at verse number 2. He said, oh, come on. This is pretty obvious here. We're in time past. Okay? You walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Again, listen, you, you, this, was in, this was in time past. This was before you got saved, that you walked according to the course of this world, meaning the, the ages of this world, meaning whatever generation you brought, were brought up in, and if you were lost, you did whatever that generation did. I'm the 80s, man, the greatest generation. So it was like, you know, poofy hair and mullets. We're coming back, baby. Oh, no. I mean, I know. Business in the front, party in the back. Oh, come on. That was, I mean, that was our, that was my generation. But look, that's what I did. Praise God, though, I got saved at the age of 20. In 1996, what a blessing. Well, I, I'm thankful for that, but what I'm saying is this. You walked according to the course of this world. By the way, according to the prince of the power of the air, who is the devil, who's the one behind the scenes orchestrating things. Come on, that, that's, but, but notice, that, that's what you did in the past. Even in verse number 3, among whom also we all had our conversation. Here it is again. In time past, all right, in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And, and notice this, and we're by nature, there's the past tense, and we're by nature the children are even as others. But aren't you glad for verse 4? But God, oh come on, but God who is, who is rich in mercy for His great love, wherewith He loved us. Boy, aren't you glad for that? Well, but, but here's the reason we're looking at this. It's because what is implied here is this, 
is that when you get saved, there should be a change that begins to take place. The things that we used to do, those, are the, those things become what we used to do. We've now been made a new creature in Christ. Old things are to, are to pass away. All things are to become new. Oh, come on, man. Look, look, look. Be, be fact, I mean, listen, it's, it's not only implied with salvation, but it certainly has much to do with our, our spiritual growth that you and I are looking at tonight in our text. And as already uh, mentioned in, in previous messages, I'm not sure if I mentioned it tonight, but really verses or chapters 1, 2, and 3 have much to do with our salvation. Okay? But when you hit chapter number 4, it really begins what I would say is the practical side of being saved and being placed in Christ Jesus, all right? In chapter 2 that we were just looking at, it mentions the term walk, or you walked, and you walked according to the course of this world. You walked that direction, but, but once you enter into chapter 4, that term walk becomes, it comes out even more, but this time it has to do with how we walk in Jesus Christ. Look, look at chapter 4 and verse number 1. He says, Therefore, the prisoner, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, notice this, that you walk worthy of the vocation uh, wherewith ye are called. So we're to walk worthy of the vocation uh, we are called. And though part of that, all right, part of that is the unity that we looked at throughout those verses, you, you got to understand that the other part of that is that there should be spiritual growth and change in the life of the believer where God is taking us from what we used to be and conforming us into the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Oh, come on, friend. You've already been placed in Christ Jesus. But you're over here and God's wanting to do... Seems like we heard this in Sunday school. But God's wanting to do a work in us, isn't He? And to change us and to conform us and to get us close, as close to that image as we possibly can. That's what He's wanting to do. That's what He's wanting to do. But what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that it all comes to the... It all starts with us coming to the understanding that really your walk is to be different. It really is. And I know we would say that tonight and go, well, duh, preacher. But you've got to understand this, and I believe this with all my heart. The majority of American Christianity today is missing this. I right, Listen, look, look at verse number 17 of our text. He says, this I say, therefore, and, and testify in the Lord. And notice, he picks back up with walk, but he says this, that ye henceforth walk not, okay, as, as other Gentiles walk, and, and, and he begins to lay out how they walk. But then in verse number 20, he picks up again and he says this, But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be, that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in, is in uh, Jesus. And so Paul is pointing out here that there is an expectation that your life and my way of life, it would now change since we are saved. You ever think about this? His did. Paul's, come on, he went from persecuting churches to planting churches. Just tell you, pretty big difference. Amazing what God can do. And look, I, I get it, man. So, sometimes, sometimes it's, it's within us. We, we want things to remain the same. 
We just do, and I'm, I'm not talking about being a, a, a creature of habit, habit, though we are a creature of habit. All right, some of you tonight are sitting in the same exact spot. That'd be your spot, all right? Until a visitor comes in and beats you to it, that's your spot. I, I get it. But we are, and I, listen, I'm not even talking about that, though. I'm just talking about we just, we like for things to, we, we have this expectation that, that things would remain the, the same. And I, I'll give you a great example. We started basketball practice with the boys yesterday. And I, you know, and I'd been doing some P90X and, and I'd gotten through phase one. And so we're running suicides, which I called them guts. I, I don't know. I don't, they call them suicides. But basically you start at the baseline, you run to the free throw line and back to the baseline, half court, back to the baseline, a next free throw line back and then full court and all the way back. So I got out there and ran with them and I beat a few of them by the way. But I am hurting so bad tonight. I almost preached on a stool, man. My knee, my left knee is killing me. I, earlier, my wife said something about something was, she was like, it's this, uh, we were looking for something, and I was getting ready to walk down the stairs. She goes, wait a minute, I know where it's at. And I said, man, I'm glad you said something, because I was going downstairs. I didn't know if I could make it back up. I'm just, listen, I, still, I wish I was in my 20s and not my late 40s, but that's reality. I wish some things, I, I, I had the, listen, I got out there with the expectation, I'll be fine. I was wrong. But here's the thing, that it's, it's one thing to have that expectation physically. It's another thing to have it spiritually. And folks, I'm, I'm telling you, I really believe this. I believe American Christianity, we, we, there, there is such a message today of, of Jesus, but yet no change. And I'm just telling you, that, that is, that, that is you, 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 you understand, they... It's almost like they have both the desire, but even the expectation to remain the same. It, it, it's, it's almost like we want to take Jesus and we just want to put him into the rest of our life and our sin and what we're doing and how we're living and, and be content with, with that. But what, what, you've, what you've got to understand is that, that that's not biblical Christianity. You understand that that's not, no, 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 because here's what biblical Christianity is. Biblical Christianity is not just, you know, letting Jesus have a little part of your life while you hold on to your sin. No, friend, it's to part with your sin and be sold out for Jesus Christ and let Him have all of your life and to change you and mold you into the image of His Son. God's expectation, friend, is that we would experience a changed life in Him. Can you imagine this? That the God of heaven and earth not only wants to save you, but change you. And don't look at me tonight like, well, I'm kind of like the way I am. Let me tell you something, friend. If you could see what God could do with your life, you'd be a whole lot better going that direction. Friend, I'm telling you, listen, you let God have control. That's where the joy is at. That's where the blessings are at. That's where the goodness is at. And in fact, that's exactly what Paul begins to deal with in our text. Notice what he says. This is what is supposed to be in your life. Look at verse number 17. He says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, listen to this, in the vanity of their mind. I, probably most people in here would say, I, I know exactly what vanity is, preacher. We've studied that before. It means empty. 
And you know why he's saying this? He's saying, because here's why. Because the lost life is a life of emptiness. But you know what the Christian life's supposed to be? Full. <laughs> it's supposed to be full. You know, listen, I, we, you know, you look at that, the vanity of their mind. This is the Gentiles who, who know not uh, God. And boy, I, I want to I tell you something today. Uh, we, we, this, same, this same vanity of, our, of their mind, you, you understand, that's embedded in our culture that we're living in today. I, I'll give you a great example of it. Evolution. And, and don't, you, you understand, and you need to listen to this. This is what I, this is what I would say is uh, the definition of evolution. A hopeless religion where man is God. And don't look at me tonight like, well, you know, preacher, evolution. That's, that's not a religion. That just denies the existence of God. If it's not a religion, then why are they promoting it? If it's not a religion, why are they buying billboards in New York City and promoting it up there and saying there is no God, evolution, believe evolution, believe in evolution? Truth of the matter is still a faith issue because neither one of us was there. Yeah, you, you understand, friend, I, it's, it is, and please get this, and I don't have time to go into a whole uh, uh, you know, discussion of creation versus evolution. You and I just need to understand tonight that it is a theory that is taught as fact and by the way, it's, it's used today to brainwash our children into denying the, the very existence of God. And as a result, man has now assumed the place where God belongs. And so as man assumes that place, then anything goes. And, and, and so here's the thing. Now we, have, now we have a generation on our hands. We have taught them that they come from monkeys Yet we cannot explain why they're acting like animals. But it's not just that. It's beyond that. Because eternity hangs in the balance of this thing, doesn't it? And, and listen, if, if it's evolution, then here's the thing. There is no hope. There, there's nothing after this life. And, and here's the thing. And, and even in this life, what's the point of it? Let's eat, drink, be merry, and tomorrow we die. Come on, I mean, listen, Paul, Paul dealt with that in 1 Corinthians 15 and dealing with the resurrection. I don't know what this bunch denies the existence of God, how they deal with the empty tomb, but praise God, there's an empty tomb. That means there is the blessed hope and the return of Jesus Christ, and there is heaven to look forward to. Don't get too excited tonight. I'm just saying to you, our life and our mindset and our, the things that are going on in our heart should be vastly different than that. This night I could, boy, get into... A lot of things uh, tonight. I thought about false religions. You understand? Vain and empty religions that offers up idols for men uh, to worship. No doubt this is what the Gentiles were chasing after in Paul's day. And by the way, they're still around. 
You know, you, you got your crucifixes, your false gods like Mariolatry. Listen, Mary, praise God for Mary. She was a godly woman, a virgin that God used to bring uh, His only begotten Son into the world. But let me help you with this. Mary is not an intercessor between God and man. There's only one mediator between God and man. That's the man, Christ Jesus, who gave Himself a ransom. In due- Somebody say amen tonight. You understand, but listen, not even that, but you talk about things like Muhammad and, and, and Islam and, and Buddha the, and, and, and vain philosophies of reincarnation and, and all of these things. You, you understand, friend, and, and we, could, we could deal with all of these things. And I'll tell you a big one among evangelicals today, emotionalism. I'm so sick of that. Oh, did you see the goosebump I got today? Who cares? You can have a goosebump the size of a football, but if it ain't based on truth, big deal. Give me truth. Give me meat. Give me something that when I wake up tomorrow and I ain't got the goosebumps and I need a cup of coffee, I got something I can still chew on and cling to. Somebody say amen tonight. But I'm just telling you, that's the stuff. And God's people must be very aware of what the Bible says about these vain, empty philosophies and, and things of this world. You're there in Ephesians. I want you to turn over a couple of books to uh, Colossians in, in chapter number 2. And throughout our studies in Ephesians, we've noticed a lot of commonality between that and the book of Colossians. But I like what Paul says in Colossians chapter 2 and verses 8 and 9. Listen to this. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of of the world, and not after Christ. Because here's why. For in Him, talking about Christ, dwelleth all the fullness of the the Godhead bodily. You know what he's saying? He's saying, if you're a child of God, and you have been placed in Christ Jesus, you've got everything God intended you to have. Now that's not saying that there are obviously some things after being saved we need to be obedient in. We'll deal with that here in just a minute. But at the same time, you got to understand, you have been saved, you are eternally secure in Christ, you have a home in heaven, You've been indwelt with the Spirit of God. You've got access to God in prayer. And the list goes on and on and on. And honey, no Jehovah Witness that knocks on my door can get it, give me anything better than that. If I hadn't made you mad, I can bring up the politics part I skipped over. I'm just telling you, it's, listen, if you've got Jesus Christ and you're washed in His blood, you've got the fullness of the, of the Godhead bodily. You've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You've been washed in the blood of the Son. You are filled with the Spirit of God, and you got access to the Father. What more do I need? All right. Well, Wednesday night, I'm too, I'm too tired to smile. Well, we'll get to you. Just a minute. But I'm just saying to you, rather than being empty, you should be full. Look at, look at verse number 18. Let's go back to our text tonight. Look at this. He says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. So 
Again, don't forget about in verse number 17, he said, don't walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. But notice it ends with a comma, so the thought continues in verse number 18. And here's what else he says, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And they're in darkness. They don't know God. They're blind in their heart. You ever close your eyes, man? It's just it's dark. You can't see. And so what I would beg to say to you tonight is this, is that rather than having a life that is in darkness or being dark, should be a life that's in the light. Okay. Look at chapter 5. Look at verse number 8. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye, what's that word right there? Light in the Lord. Oh, here, here, walk as children of light. Well, there you go. Okay, so what, what, what does that mean? Well, here's what I would say to you tonight. And I, I believe this is what, you know, Paul's alluding to here. Couldn't we say this, that where, where darkness brings immorality, well, being in the light ought to bring holiness. I mean, you ever think about this, that, you know, 1 John 1, 5, it says, this then is, the, this is John the Apostle who spent time with the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said this, this then is the message which we heard of him, what we heard from Jesus. Here's what he says, and declare unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Light in the scriptures often represents holiness, especially when it comes to the character of God. And, and, what, and be in fact, what John is saying is this, is that we who are saved are to walk in the light and to have fellowship one with another, talking about us and God, and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us of all sin. Paul lived in days of barbaric immorality. We're getting there. And you, listen, you can go back and you can study 1 Corinthians, and you can see things associated with their worship of idolatry and the way that they lived. They lived in adultery. They lived in fornication. Even, even homosexuality, that effeminism and, and things like that that he brings out. But the point is this, that just as they lived in an immoral culture, we too are immersed in an immoral culture. But you understand, listen, and entertainment is constantly pushing the boundaries of morality. Constantly doing that. Man, the nudity and the pornography and the homosexuality and all the wickedness of this world and our culture is becoming so increasingly perverted and destitute. I, I listen, I, I, but here, here's what I'm trying to get at tonight. That has no place in the child of God's life has no place. Folks, we have no business watching pornography. We, we have every responsibility to guard the things that are put before our eyes and, and our ears and, and the things in our daily life that needs to change. You can sit here tonight and argue about how all of this wickedness is being accepted in our culture today, but that doesn't make it right. And it is robbing you of being the salt and the light that God desires for you to be. It's robbing you of that. 
In fact, couldn't we also say this, that where darkness breeds rebellion, it's light that should bring righteousness in our life. And, and this too is, is permeating our culture. We, I, I've never seen a generation like I have t- today that just, I mean, in every aspect of our society, we have a problem with authority. It's rebellion, 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 re- rebellion. But what I'm saying to you is this, is that when it comes to the child of God, we've been placed in Christ Jesus. We've been bought with a price. We've been saved. We have God as our heavenly Father. And my friend, the greatest thing that you could do, and especially if you want to be in the light as He is in the light, and have fellowship one with another, is to let this be the authority in your life. I'll tell you something, friend. You you can sit here tonight, and and we we can discuss these things, but really they're not up for debate. Look at the pattern in the Scriptures and the commandments of Jesus Christ. There's an expectation that once you've been saved... You should follow Christ in baptism. You should be a member of one of His churches. You should be serving Him and living for Him and obeying Him and striving to have righteousness in your life. After all, that's what was in His life. He was made to be sin who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Yeah, I, I think what God has done on the inside it should start manifesting itself on the outside and we, and we become light uh, rather, than, rather than darkness. But here, here's the last thing. And I don't know if I'll be through for a while. But look at verse number 19. It says, Who being past feeling have given themselves over in a lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This is what I wrote down. Rather than apathy. There ought to be agape, love. Look at, that, look, look at that phrase there, being past feeling. So actually, you know what this is talking about? It's talking about numbness of the soul. This, this talks about the numbness of the soul that's experienced by a person who has rejected God. In fact, Romans chapter number 2, or actually Romans chapter 1, calls it reprobate. You know, every, every, person, every person in here tonight has a conscience. According to Romans chapter 2, that's the law of God written upon your heart. That's why before you're saved, you can do something wrong and do something against God and break one of His commandments. You, you can experience guilt in your heart even though you're not saved. That's not Holy Spirit conviction. That's just your conscience telling you you've broken one of the commandments of, of God's law. That's the law of God written on your heart. But 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 says this, that the conscience can be seared, meaning this, it can be burned to the point of having no feeling. You ever, I guess we could ask Brother Matt tonight, but you ever had Novocaine? I remember when I got my four teeth pulled out before I had to have braces when I was a, when I was a teenager and... and uh, this uh, really uh, nice nurse, well, she was nice for a minute, but then she pulled out that needle. You're not nice. And she gave me four shots, and it deadened my mouth. That Novocaine, it, it was past feeling. And then they came in, and they pulled out four uh, teeth. And so I went home uh, that night, and I sat down for supper, and 
I had my mama's sweet tea right there because every southerner has sweet tea. That's the only kind of tea. And, and then we had roast and we had mashed taters and gravy. Not mashed potato, mashed taters and gravy. And I'll never forget grabbing a big spoonful of that mashed potatoes and gravy and I stuck it in my mouth and it just, I stuck it on this side and it ran out that side. It's all numb. It's past feeling. Look at this. Look at there. It's a good way to go on a diet, I guess. Amen. Get some teeth in it. You know, you can get that way spiritually. Why, why do you think that people can do some of the most wicked atrocities in our day and time? And when put in the courtroom to stand accountable for it, they feel no remorse or guilt whatsoever. That's the conscience within them that has been seared. It's past feeling. I'm going to tell you something tonight. That's a dangerous place to be. But I believe this, what Paul is saying to the church at, at Ephesus is this, is that even us, as God's people, folks, we, we can get to where we're just walking through life this way. It's apathy. It's apathos. And pathos is feeling, and then you have that A in front of it in the Greek, which is a negative. That means this, no, no feeling. And you know what that's from? That, that's from quenching the Holy Spirit of God in your life and resisting Him. Every time He's, every time he's dealing with you, and it gets to this place where you get so distant from God that you can no longer sense His conviction and His, and, and his voice and His presence and even his, even his working in your life and in mine. I always think of calluses. You know that, I, I, I remember being in elementary school and uh, I can't remember, I think we were in like kindergarten or the first grade, I don't even know, I don't remember. And I remember this kid taking a needle and sticking it through his calluses and I was going, cool. Let me do that. And I was like, did that hurt? No. And I stuck it. And I was like, man, that's, that's, that was awesome. It didn't take much to impress me. I really still don't. You know? Do you know what you get callous from? From doing the same thing over and over and over again. You know, sometimes as a Christian, you can just be doing the same things over and over and over again. And, and folks, that's not a bad thing. But what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this, is you're in a dangerous place when you're basing your spirituality on the duty that you're doing rather than the devotion that's supposed to be in your heart. Because we're supposed to be in love with Him. We're supposed to have that agape Love, truth of the matter is that's why so many of God's people come into the house of God and they're so discontent. It's because they're eat up with apathy. And what you need is agape. Look at, look at what he says in chapter 5 and verse number 2. And walk in, what's that word right there? Love. As Christ also hath loved us. 
and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Can I, can I ask you something tonight? How is your walk? How, how has your life been since you've been saved? Has it been different? I, I would hope so. I, I mean, I, I realize you can be raised in church and, and grow up in church, but when you get saved, it's amazing still how it's different. Isn't it? Is your life different? I would hope so because here's the thing. If it's not, then something's wrong. Then something's wrong. And it may be that you're not truly saved. I, I don't know, but it may just simply be this. I'm just, I'm not growing like I'm supposed to. In fact, you may be sitting here tonight going, you know, preacher, I, I mean, there's just emptiness in me. And man, there's just, there's apathy in me. And, and, and I've been spending way too much time in darkness. Well, you know how to change that? It's by humbling yourself and coming to the conclusion tonight that God expects you to change. God expects you to grow. And then start submitting yourself to what He wants to do in your life. How's your walk tonight? How's your walk? Let's all stand tonight.